Chara Supply Chain. Highlighting and showcasing solutions for the most complex challenges. Facing the industry in 21st century by our team of subject matter experts and mentors. Broadcasting every week all year round, we will present the most up-to-date series of podcasts and webinars. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bijara Supply Chain the Podcast. This is Norhadi House. Today we can talk about Project Supply Network and with me now, Oliver Lehman. He is an expert in project management and also president for Project Business Foundation. Additionally, he was a past president for PMI, Project Management Institute, chapter of Southern Germany. So thank you for joining us, Oliver, and welcome to Bijara Supply Chain. Hi. Great to have you all here. I'm Nohari. I'm looking forward to interesting 20 minutes. Okay, so before we get in, can you please tell us a bit about your professional background and what do you do? Today, I am a trainer. I have been a trainer in project management and in project business management for the last 25 years. Um, and uh, before that, I was a practitioner in project management. My home industry before I became a trainer, was actually automotive. And uh, uh, in this field, it was mostly um, process, certification, process certification projects, and it was engineering projects, big equipment to be installed in in, in automotive manufacturing, Mm. automotive and similar industries. It was not only automotive, but automotive was 80, 90% of the business. Okay, so my first question um, today's episode is about the project supply network, which is uh, similar to concept of supply chain. Can you please tell us what exactly the uh, project supply network and how does it work? First of all, I had a um, a strange history when I when I was in automotive industry. Yeah. I was just by coincidence there when supply chain management actually began. Um, I think the driver was automotive industry, mostly in uh, Northern America and in Europe. And uh, I remember how the, ho- the whole thing started. Um, if you go back, say, three decades, what was there at the time was what we called in Germany the Verlängerte Weltbank. It means in English the extended workbench. So what it meant was you did a production internally in your factory and uh, this little thing, that little thing, you bought from outside the own company, you had a supplier for that, but it was more an exotic thing to buy something, not the regular thing. I was just mostly simple simple components that, that, that companies bought that did not want to make by themselves, something like an exhaust pipe or something like that, uh, simple yeah. things. This changed in the 19, around 1990, I would say, give or take maybe five years. It was a process. It's not just one, one moment in time. The drivers for this change, mainly, first of all, ISO 9000, which um, allowed different companies to agree to a common quality management system. Another thing was EDI, where um, data were 
transported, were transferred not only inside the organization, but crossing organizational borders made a huge change by that time with protocols called ODET and some more, later XML. Um, this changed a lot there, and it was some visionary people. I think uh, a name that uh, comes up in my mind here um, is Ignacio Lopez. Some people in Europe know Ignacio Lopez, who worked for uh, General Motors, later for Volkswagen, and then uh, founded his own consultancy. I think he was very visionary in that. And uh, some more people inside the manufacturing organizations, of course. So yeah. I was there when it all started. And it's interesting where the trend led in manufacturing from the extended workbench to supply chains. Um, supply chain management, supply chain business today is a very well understood business. There is a lot of education there. There is software there. There are portal solutions where sellers and buyers meet, for instance. Yeah? Um, there is literature there. There is uh, scientific research and all these things. Everything is there. And uh, not far away from my house is the headquarter of BMW. If I go there and ask a supply chain manager at, at BMW, your fourth tier supplier, um, what will they do next month on the 15th of next month, um, say at 1600, four o'clock in the afternoon, what will they do? Um, they know that and they know when their contract, their customer will get that and the next customer will get that and does something with that. And they know when this supply chain will be finished and these goods will be at the production line of BMW. They have a full understanding of that. It is fully engineered and uh, I think it's a very well understood yeah. discipline. I may be a bit too idealistic at the moment. It doesn't always work like that, but generally that's uh, what supply chain management is. You'll have a supply chain that extends over different companies in Europe, often over different countries as well. Yeah? So, and, uh, and, and someone is really managing that. Mm -hmm. Now we have it 25, 30 years later and we are in project management and precisely the same development happens now in project management. We had something like an extended workbench. We call it procurement yeah? here and there in the past. We bought something here, something there. Now this is changing and contractors in projects get more and more relevant and important for project success. And these contractors may be prime contractors. They may have subcontractors who in turn have sub-subcontractors and so on. It's a very similar situation. Um, the most extreme example that I am aware of was the development of the A380, Airbus A380, um, the super Jumbo jet. I asked Airbus, um, which, how many suppliers do you have uh, working mm -hmm. in this project? In the development project of the aircraft and of the production as well of the aircraft. Yeah. Craft production, which was a second project by the time, how to make it in numbers. And uh, the response was, we are not 100% sure. We don't know it, by the way. They don't know it. But um, we believe it is about 1,500 companies, 1,500 companies. And that's an estimate. Yeah, No one knows it. I'm not criticizing Airbus here. Don't misunderstand me. They're my customer. I would never do that. No, that's mm -hmm. the situation that we have in project management. Um, no one really knows it. 
Um, it seems no one really cares about that. No one engineers that. And then we don't have all the education. There are four books in the market on the topic, generally on the topic of project business. There is practically no research done on that. There is almost no education. I think I'm at the moment the only trainer in the world who fully addresses this topic as one person in an entire huge, huge business environment. Yeah? Um, we don't have, we have, don't have all, we don't have portals. We don't have software for that. Nothing mm-hmm. is there. And uh, if you look, where are the, the moments, where are the places, where are the causes of project failure in such projects? It's the interfaces between these companies involved. Each company has its own business interests. And when these business interests come into conflict, the project will suffer. Yeah. So then how can the project supply network support and resolve the complexity of the project itself? Project supply networks means we have different companies involved. The minimum, the smallest One is two companies with one contract. As I said, there could be hundreds there. And uh, the idea of these companies is to tap into other companies' assets, assets and turn them into resources. A customer turns into the technical, HR, license, any, any other assets that the contractor has and turns them into project resources. Oh, management attention, an important thing. The contractor can bring the management attention that the customer may not be able to bring to the project. So, and in the other direction, it's the contractor who taps into the assets, the financial assets mostly of the customer and turns this into funding for the project. So what we have is a driver for agility. These two companies together have opportunities that one company alone would not have. Um, they can do things together that a single company alone cannot do. And if you bring together a lot of companies, they can add all their assets, their soft assets, as well as their hard assets, and turn them into resources for very successful projects. However, there is a huge risk coming with this speed that they gain from that and with agility they gain from that. And this is business risk. The business risk is each of them has different business interests. Each of them has maybe strong egos. Each of them has their own corporate culture. Maybe they are in different legal systems. So we have a lot of causes for conflicts and for troubles in there. And the most ignored one is one of these companies may go bankrupt as well. By the way, one company may drive the other one into bankruptcy. That's also a possibility. Project business is high-risk business for all organizations involved. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. So uh, what are the most challenges in project management and how to overcome the challenge, uh, Oliver? Yeah, if we are in project business, I think the biggest challenge we have at the moment is the poor education of people involved. Mm. In project business management, you need people who know project management, of course. And uh, the quality of education there, I think, maybe not, not enough, but it's growing. It's growing. It's getting better. There are good trainers out there. There is a lot of work done on that. But... Um, 
on the project business side, you have to add business knowledge to project management knowledge, business yeah. management knowledge to project management knowledge. We talk about things that are not discussed in project management, things like profitability, things like liquidity. Mm-hmm. There's a third big goal. That's the happy customer. We talk about that in project management, but we don't mention things like profitability. There is one software in the world for a contractor. That's Adika from the U.S. Um, one software solution, as far as I'm aware of, that helps a contractor um, following up profitability and also following up the cash flow of the project. Uh-huh. When the contractor lays out money for the customer, when will the contractor get that back? Cash flow problems, uh, liquidity problems are huge. Companies rarely go bankrupt because of a lack of uh, profitability. They uh-huh. go bankrupt because of a lack of liquidity. They don't have the money anymore at hand to go on with their work, to pay their their employees and their subcontractors and so on. So um, we need to know more about that. And and, and people involved, the practitioners, have to learn more about that. That's, by the way, the reason why the Project Business Foundation has right at the start a very, very strong focus on education. it is really the belief that um, the, the biggest shortage we have is educators. Yeah. And then we can resolve the next biggest shortage, and that's educated practitioners. Mm. I understood. So uh, this will be our last uh, question on today's podcast. How do you see the uh, collaboration between a spine chain and project where they are combined into another terminology called supply <laughs> chain project management? So is this, it is a combination between supply chain and project. So what is your view? Personally, I, I, I dislike the term supply chain in projects. Okay. Business supply, supply chain, in my understanding signals this is all well ordered this is okay. engineered that's engineered mm-hmm. that's what i expect it's engineered and we have people there who understand the whole supply chain it's 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 it's, it's transparent they know about that and just with edi and with iso 9000 oh i forget something to mm-hmm. your production system was mm-hmm. another big force at the beginning of course um if you put this all together um, they know how to do it. Now move over to our world in project management where we have a similar situation, but we don't have all these, these, these factors for, of professionalization. Um, our supply networks are very opaque. You have companies in your supply work. You may not be aware that they are there. By the way, it can also go the other way around. A subcontractor may not even know for whom the Item is made. They just work on. They work for a prime contractor and the prime contractor never told them who the end user, the end customer will be. So it can also go in the other direction. There's no transparency in that. Then it's very, very dynamic. They are changing these, 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 these network structures again and again. They are very, very complex, these network structures. And uh, they are not really managed. So what this says is it's a well-managed project supply chain and uh I would love to see that we are far away from that, far mm-hmm. away from that. But the idea is good. The link is very easy to say. Um, in many projects, say development projects, for instance, get back to automotive. Automotive is my home industry. Yeah. Um, 
when you have a when you have a company developing a component for you i am the customer i'm the car manufacturer and i have a component manufacturer developing the component for me today it is part of my project supply network it is very likely that tomorrow this will be part of my supply chain for manufacturing mm-hmm. they develop the component and they will probably make it later for me mm-hmm. today my 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 largest customers are from aerospace and that's the typical situation in aerospace we develop the component for the customer today that's part of a project supply network and later we will make it and that's part of a supply chain in manufacturing so there mm-hmm. is a very very strong link there and uh, i think that project supply network people can learn a lot from supply chain people as soon as they talk with us they yeah. can give us a lot of a lot of knowledge a lot of experience they know so much about how to do it much much better than what we do at the moment and when we do it wrong in the project manufacturing will later suffer all the mistakes that we have in the project today will translate into troubles in manufacturing later mm-hmm. so there's such an over the fence situation at the moment project people do something when they are finished they throw everything over the fence and that's where the manufacturing people are we have to tear down this fence we have to tear down the wall between the two yeah okay and so what this means for project management and mm-hmm. project supply management um, we have to mature yeah, yeah. okay cool mm-hmm. see you next time and goodbye Yeah, goodbye. Nuadi. At Bichara Supply Chain, we are committed to driving global perspective to embrace technological adaptation in improving process efficiencies. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share Bichara Supply Chain and stay tuned for the latest updates. To learn more, visit our website www.bicharasupplychain.com. Thank you for listening to us. We look forward to seeing you at our next episode.